flip this track again, y'all. Welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. This is TJ McBride, your host. I sit alongside Brendan Vote once again. How you doing, man? You alive? TJ, I'm tired. Dude. Yeah, you were up late last night writing that piece. You know what? Plug that piece and your Twitter real quick for me. Yeah, follow me at bvote422 on Twitter. You'll see my pinned tweet. I talked about Jamal Murray's big night, his emergence as a potential closer for this team going forward. Some exclusive quotes in there. Wilson Chandler, Will Barton. Make sure you check it out. And that is why we are here talking right now. Is the emergence of Jamal Murray and the Nuggets 104-101 win over the Portland Trailblazers last night. It was one, I would go out of my way to say that was the biggest win of 2018 so far. Oh, I think definitely that's the case. And you could tell, dude, when we walked into the locker room after the game, that sense of relief was almost tangible, right? And I wasn't there, TJ, but I can only imagine that it was sort of a different scene after that Suns loss. Just a little bit different. Yeah. It was funny because I walked into, we, we both walked into the locker room after the game last night and dudes were like talking shit to each other, throwing things across the locker room, laughing, yelling, causing chaos. Murray like, was in a great mood, oh, as yes, he should have been. as he should be. Yes. But it was one of those things where I felt compelled just to tweet out like, you need to see how ridiculously happy every single individual in this locker room is right now. And when Malone spoke to the media in the scrum after the game, I mean, you, the relief was was so apparent. That's the so right obvious. term, the yeah. relief. He needed that. The team needed that. And TJ, the result, the win is great. The win over that opponent is huge. But to me, getting back to the you know original theme of this podcast here, the biggest part was how they got that win. And that was they closed out strong and they had a guy that they were able to go to to close out the game. First time it's been the case all year. So like. yeah, let's just start with Jamal Murray because that's what everyone wants to hear about. That's what everyone's talking about. Why, why else would we talk about anything else right now? Jamal Murray has been just flat out incredible recently. And when you come into this game, when you just look at his ridiculous stat line, Jamal Murray was 14 of 19 from the field, means he only missed five shots throughout the night, four of six from three, six of six from the free throw line, add in five rebounds, six assists. He only had one turnover on the night, and no big deal, 38 points, a career high for the 20-year-old point guard to carry the Nuggets over a division rival win in a game that they absolutely were required to have and needed to have. It was absolutely incredible watching him play. Players 20 years old or younger to score 35-plus on 20 or less shots. Uh, credit Ryan Blackburn here at NBA Blackburn on Twitter of Denver Stiffs. LeBron did it three times, KD twice. Mello, Shaq, Marbury, Eric Gordon, Irving, KAT, Booker, and now the Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray. Man, that, that's a list. That's a really special list to be on. It sure is. And I think what's even more notable about this is that it was exactly the way that you hope Jamal Murray would play because... He's a guy who, who should be able to get his shot pretty much at any point. He's a guy who should be able to take over an offense. And you saw that last night because it wasn't that he didn't score in transition. He had a grand total of zero transition opportunities last night right. as a scorer. It was the way he got those buckets. And it's a way that few folks on this team can. Maybe few Will, folks in the league in the can league do. Can, right? and, and just in terms of play style and play type, maybe Will Barton's the closest comparison. But this team lacks guys who can just separate themselves from their defender, can create shots and create points for themselves, regardless of what's happening in the half-court offense, which was sputtering last night. It oh, was it was bad in the first half. It was ugly basketball half. in the first half. And the only offense came from Jamal Murray creating it out of thin air. And so that, obviously you don't want to rely on that. You'd rather have a fluent, uh, a fluid, flowing half-court offense. But having that, knowing you can fall back on that, that's something this team's been lacking. Maybe not anymore. 
Yeah, and that's really what it felt like for me too. Like Jamal Murray just single-handedly decided the Nuggets were not going to lose this game. Uh-huh. And I, Anilo always says this on this podcast. He goes, it's so hard to believe for me that Jamal Murray is 20 freaking years old. So I asked Will Barton last night. I was like, or I, actually I asked Gary Harris last night. I was like, who, what guard do you know at 20 years old that has the confidence that he does? And he literally laughed and goes, nobody? Like this is a, he called Jamal Murray a one of a kind player and said that there are very few guards in the league who can do what he was able to do against the Portland Trailblazers. And that really does sum it up for me. There's probably what, five guards in the NBA who can do what Jamal Murray did last night and be able to not rely on that kind of performance, but to know that there are more of them in the future. Right. And Mike Malone said it after the game. He said it was so cool to see a 20 year old want the ball in key moments all game long, but also down the stretch, not just in a big game. He was going head to head against Damian Lillard. Yeah. Perennial all star, one of the best point guards in the league. And man, to say he wasn't scared is almost an understatement, right? That is absolutely an understatement. Yeah. Like it is the understatement of the year right there is to say that. But I, I have a question for you about this because it's really interesting when you start talking about Jamal Murray because there's not very many guys that play like him. Who is the guy that you would compare him to? Because I genuinely like it's hard for me to figure out. You know what's funny? You know what Will Barton told me after the game last night? What? He said it reminds me of myself, only <laughs> way, way, way better at that age. And it's true, because Will Barton, like, so I, I talked to Damian Lillard about Will Barton for the game. We'll get into that a little bit later, but he basically said, like, when we saw Will in practice, we just knew that was a dude that was going to be a good NBA player. Right. And Jamal Murray has that, and he started out his career weird. 0 of 17 from 3 to start his career, and, like, it, it just didn't feel like he was where he should be and come to find out he was injured. Finally, he's healthy. Finally, he finds his cohesive qualities with this roster, and then, boom, the explosion happens. For me, especially watching this game against Portland last night, he looks like Damian Lillard. I was just going to say, I don't know if that seems lazy because we that's the last guy we saw him playing against, but that's a really good comparison. I mean, because everyone wants to put the Curry comparison out there. I no, hate that comparison. Like, comparison. I understand it. Like, I can play devil's advocate and be like, you know what? That does exist. Like, you can see the shot-making ability off the bounce and things like that. Sure, whatever. The insane drive to win, the gutsy, relentless, and just without fear ability to drive into the paint and get to the rim, just the maniacal nature of Jamal Murray as a person when he is on a basketball court is not Steph Curry-esque. It is Damian Lillard-esque to me. Yeah, and he's a student of of Kobe Bryant and that Mamba mentality, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so yeah, Damian Lillard, I think you're right. It's not just how they play on the court. It's, it's that, the intangible stuff, the sense of like... This dude refuses to lose, and as long as he's on the court, it's you know his team has a chance. And so, yeah, I think Lillard is a really good comparison there. It's it's so hard to find those kind of comps for lead guards like this because lead guards just continue to evolve at such a rapid pace in the NBA right now. But what I think is interesting is that the defense is there. Like he may not be a good defender yet because he's twenty and not as strong as he's going to be when he's at his, at his in his prime and things like that. But the defensive ability that he is able to play with, the at least the tenacity that's, that he plays that's with. That's what I was gonna say. It's his attitude on defense. Yeah. He is a gamer. Whatever he lacks at this point, whether it's athletically or because of his age, he's not afraid to guard these guys. Lillard, Westbrook. He plays defensively the same way he plays on offense. Maybe not that same level of ability, but confidence, killer instinct. He's not afraid of any challenge. And that's what I think is great about. 
about him. And I think that that tenacity will pay him well. Like he's not going to be a plus defender. He's not going to be yep. a lockdown at the point of attack defender. He just isn't quick enough or big enough at this point in his career. And he could get there. I mean, there's always leaps and bounds that guys can take in terms of development. But as of right now, he's just not there. He makes up for that by just being relentless. And I think that is what you saw again last night. Because don't get me wrong. Damian Lillard got his because his name is Damian Lillard. And that is just what he does. But at the same time, it, things were not easy for him. They weren't allowing him to step into easy threes. There were guys closing that with reckless abandon at him, and a lot of times that was Murray. And one thing that I loved from both Murray and Harris was the off-ball defense. I mean, the yeah, on-ball defense man, was that's there. That's a great point. Yeah, they busted their butts to deny the ball all night long, and Portland was never really able to get into their offense, it felt like. And that's a really good point that kind of leads me into this, is that the Nuggets played the personnel. They played the playbook. They yes. played exactly the way that they were supposed to. They knew the personnel they were playing. And that's not something young teams do, and it's something the Nuggets have struggled with individually as a team. They haven't been great in that regard, and you can say it's a reflection of the coach, which I don't necessarily think because Malone is so meticulous in his preparation for teams that I would not say that Malone is not putting them in a position to not know this, to not know their opponents. But there was a, you could tell there was this big push to really play them the exact way that you should. And I think that really bared out when we talk about the defense a little bit later. And Jamal Murray had a lot to do with that. But let's get back to Jamal Murray's offense because that's really what the story of this game was. The fourth quarter, the way that he just decided he was going to take over, same with how the third quarter started, this dude just came out angry. He came out assertive. He came out to carry this Nuggets team to a victory. That was the only thing on his mind. I was on Mile High Sports Radio in the fourth quarter with our guys Ronnie K and AP and their radio show that has yet to be named, I guess, right? There's the still, no name, the radio, no name show. radio show. They asked me if there is a closer on this team and who that might have to be. And I said, well... I think it's going to have to be Jamal Murray, not just in this game, but going forward. And he showed it to us. He wanted the ball. And TJ, it was not just that he got 10 points in the fourth quarter. It was the way in which he got those Absolutely. 10 points. The degree of difficulty on the shots he was taking was through the roof. We're talking perennial all-star type of stuff. This, this is the kind of things that I'm not calling him one, but that's the way that MVP candidates play in the fourth quarter. It is, and it's one of those things where you can look at what he's doing and you can be like, those are the superstar qualities. Yes. He's not a superstar. No. Like No one on this podcast is going to argue that he's a top five guard in the NBA. Like That is just not the, anywhere near the truth yet. All of the skill set and the traits that you want to see in a potential superstar lead guard, he has exhibited and he did exhibit in this game in particular. And I think that was what was important to see. And, you know, it does start to. Sorry. And it does help you figure out, like, all right, we're looking at the Donovan Mitchell situation, right? How, how could they have missed on a guy so talented? Why didn't they just draft him? Well, this is why. Yeah. Because they use consecutive draft picks on point guards, uh, lottery picks even. One of those was on Jamal Murray. And you can see why they're so invested in him. Is he going to be as good as Mitchell in the long run? I don't know. Is he going to be a guaranteed superstar? I don't know. But we're seeing flashes. We, we know for a fact that he has that sort of star intangible quality to him. And the Nuggets need a guy who can get his and create points on his own. That's not what Gary Harris does. That's not really what Nikola Jokic has done to this point in his career. So yes, this is super, super encouraging. It is. And if if you're going to get the most out of this team, it's not just only playing through Nikola Jokic. You need Jamal Murray to turn into that star guard. That is a prerequisite to this Nuggets team becoming an actual championship contender in the future. I completely agree. So with that thought, TJ, let me ask you a question. 
Where does Murray rank to you among the most important players on this Denver roster? That's such a tough question. I would still put him third because okay. I think Gary Harris is what unlocks Nikola Jokic in a way that no other player on the roster does. And I think his defense on and off ball is so important. And especially off ball in this last game, that point you made earlier was fantastic because he was just like young guards do not know how to play off ball on the, on the perimeter defensively. It is so difficult at the NBA level with all the screens and off ball and misdirection cuts and things that happen away from from the point of attack. So I thought that was a really good point. And that, that's why I think Gary Harris is just a hair above him. But damn, is Jamal Murray making this a very difficult decision to make? I think if the Nuggets do get to that championship contention level in the next three, four years, it is Jamal Murray as the number two guy. Well, they need him to develop into that guy. That's what they were banking on. And that's what that is a big part of the long term plan. When you talk about this Nuggets bright future, that is all contingent upon Murray's development. If he's going to be a 22, 23 point per game a night guy, and a guy who's getting those points in this fashion, then yes, Denver has the makings of a team that can contend in the long run. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I want to go back to how he closed the game. So when you look at the second half numbers, so just let's just read off Jamal Murray's line in the second half. He was 8 of 10 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, and 21 points. Damian Lillard got his. We already established that. In the second half, Jamal Murray helped hold Damian Lillard to 4 of 9 from the field. He had 4 assists and 3 turnovers and only 10 points. And the moment that sort of emblematic reflective of this game in general Damian Lillard with a big time layup through the contact draws the foul uncharacteristically misses his free throw Murray comes back on the other end responds with his own layup through contact but he doesn't miss and that was the difference in the game that night and it's typically Lillard who plays that role but it was Murray who was the superior closer and Man, were Nuggets fans desperate to see someone step up in that role. And you're right. Superior closer in this game is true. And it's insane to even say that because this is Damian freaking Lillard. Like, right. I am, this is not bashing Lillard. Right. But Lillard went in, got his and one opportunity, and missed the free throw. Jamal Murray went in, got his and one opportunity, and made the free throw. That mm-hmm. was the difference in the game for me. Because if you don't make that free throw and you're still tied, everything can go completely awry at that point. It was that confidence that it gave them that they retook a lead with that little time left on the back of Jamal Murray that I think gave them the confidence to continue to close out and play strong defense to end the game and things like that. And 20 years old, I think everyone in the building knew he was going to sink that free throw. That's, yeah. He, he's, he doesn't just have that confidence in himself. He's, he inspires it in us as, as fans and media members. You and I were up there just looking at each other and with our jaws <laughs> yeah. dropping in the fourth quarter. He's taking these step back jumpers and they have he has no business hitting these shots. They're good the whole way. Yeah. yeah, and I think what's incredible about Jamal Murray, talk about a poise, like a guy that just oozes confidence. Like you can be confident, but you can be not poised. You can be, you mm. can play reckless and confident. Jamal Murray is not that guy. Jamal Murray only had one turnover in that entire game, and I believe it did not come in that second half. It did not. He did not have a turnover the entire second half of the game. Even and th- more so than that, his free throw percentage this season is 92.5%. Which is huge for a team that has some poor free throw shooters like Mason Plumlee uh, yeah. and Will Barton, who who has missed some big free throws, although we should point out... 4-4. <laughs> 4-4 four four. Four four down the stretch last night. Again, people are, are really quick to get although, down on this guy. I got a problem with that last one. He should have missed that on purpose. There was no timeouts that Portland had, and, that, and it was still going to be a one-shot game, and it could have killed the timeout. But still, I, I digress. Perhaps. The point being... 
he stepped up, and I just always want to make sure we give Barton credit when he does. Yeah, absolutely. Because it seems like everyone is so eager to get down on him when he does not. I have a whole lot to say about Will Barton later, and we'll definitely get to that. But another the, conversation for another day. The, we're going to have that conversation today, actually. Okay. I'm going to have that conversation. But at this point, with Paul Millsap out, I want to make that the important part of this. Paul Millsap is not playing right now, so that's why I pose this question. Is Jamal Murray your now go-to closer? With Paul Millsap out, is it your go-to? Do you rely on him to close games for you? Okay, so at 20 years old, is it fair to expect this consistently for the remainder of the Absolutely season? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And we've seen it in Murray already this season. It's not the first time he's gone off like this to this extent, sure. But we've seen him have games like this, and then we've seen it f- him follow those up with maybe some subpar performances, and that's because he's 20 years old. Yeah. So you're not in a good spot as a team if you're trying to contend in the playoffs right away and you're falling back on that. But what we have seen is that Murray is the guy on this roster who wants to fill that role. And outside of Will Barton, I don't think there are guys that f- that feel the same way. Jokic and Harris, I think, you know, if you put the ball in their hands, they'd take the shot. But it's Murray's the guy who, in my mind, is insisting that he gets the ball down the stretch. And so, by virtue of that, I think you have to start looking at him that way. And th- that's actually a good segue into Alec Gwynn, at Alec Gwynn on Twitter, who actually asked us. And by the way, whenever we do podcasts, the majority of the time we're going to ask for some questions. I don't care how many we get. We might only get three. But at the same time, like, we do want to at least involve fans in this podcast so Alec Gwynn asked us when we asked for questions today he says does anybody else on the Nuggets dream of making game winning shots as much as Murray I clearly don't does anyway anyway I would put Will Barton on that tier right, Will Barton is just like, like I, so when, when we get into Damian Lillard and Will Barton's relationship later he had a great quote that Damian Lillard gave to me about Will Barton where he was like that dude is just a hooper like through and through he lives breathes and bleeds basketball and that's true like that is who Will Barton is so I would put Will Barton on that tier Tier, but they are the elite tier in terms of guys who want that last Absolutely. Shot. And I think that's what Barton meant when he said he reminds me of me. But mm-hmm. as he said, even better. So I guess when I say there's no way, sure, I think Barton maybe wants it as much as, as Murray does. Does he have the ability? Not oh, as no, much as Murray not does. Not really. Already at this stage, Murray, I think, is probably a guy I'd feel more comfortable doing this consistently than Barton. But yes, he's the only guy who's even in his his league in terms of the mental, you know, approach there. And I think a lot of that has to do with their relationship together because they are close. Like they play together a lot. And I think it's interesting that Jamal Murray plays very well when he is alongside Will Barton, because like, I don't have the stats in front of me. Actually, somebody I I should look up. It interests me, but it seems like whenever Jamal Murray has another guard that can handle the basketball alongside him, it unlocks his ability. I said this when Nikola Jokic and Paul Millsap got hurt and he went off. I don't think he went off because there were less guys taking shots. I think he went off because Will Barton had to start. There was another ball-dominant guard who was able to take away the pressure of the playmaking and scoring and just facilitating the offense that allowed Jamal Murray just to play. Right, and because Murray does many things well, Murray is going to be a big-time scoring guard in this league, it looks like. He's not a traditional point guard. He's not the type of guy you necessarily want running the offense. He's really not that awesome running a pick-and-roll as a ball handler. So you're right. Having another ball handler out there with him that can take the pressure off of him, that can allow him to play off ball, where he's it's it's not just about like spot up shooting. He's a super active cutter. Yes, he and is. He had a big time play in the fourth quarter last night where he had a little stutter step backdoor cut, made some plumbly found. Oh, so, so gorgeous. Just a big time cut. I mean, like a football player, really, see, seeing the seam and attacking it. So um yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. He thrives in that role. And well, you know, hopefully that means Gary Harris can sort of continue to evolve yeah. as a playmaker it's and a, a ball point. handler because ideally 
it's these two next to each other. And that's what the Nuggets are trying to build their roster around is having five guys who can handle the ball, shoot the ball, pass the ball, and make plays for others and make plays for themselves. Right. That is what they're trying to build. And this is not a a thread of consciousness where it's like, this is not a situation that has just come into play recently. It's not like all of a sudden Jamal Murray just plays better with a ball dominant guard. When he played with Jameer Nelson, he was better in his rookie year. When you go back to Kentucky, it wasn't until Tyler Eulis began starting alongside of him that he went off at Kentucky. So this is a situation where when you allow Jamal Murray just to be Jamal Murray and you, and he, it doesn't have to be a point guard. You can play him with a shooting guard that has handling skills and playmaking skills. It opens up everything for him to be himself and I think that's going to be a very important dynamic down the line going forward for this Nuggets team to figure out how to maximize Jamal Murray while also maximizing Nikola Jokic right so when people say or ask rather is Murray a point guard in this league the answer is yes but if the right personnel are around him right if he's in the right situation the Nuggets it looks like are building that type of situation we'll see how Harris develops as a playmaker and a ball handler going forward so now that we've seen Jamal Murray do all these amazing things in these past couple months is he untouchable for you Yes. Like I there's so. there like unless you're talking about like an right. elite superstar Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis kind of deal, obviously, but like Kemba Walker, no way. Right, right, no way. Absolutely no. So way. here's a good bar. I know Kyrie Irving already got traded. At this, knowing what you know now, would you have traded uh Gar or Jamal Murray for Kyrie Irving? No, and I was actually never on the trade for Kyrie Irving bandwagon. I fully recognize the type of player that he is. I just don't know if he would have stayed long term. I don't know what his play style would have done to what Denver was trying to develop with the organic ball movement and stuff in the half court. Obviously, that's changed a little bit this year, but at the time that was the case. But no, I think, look, this is a team that's going to be a two to three year project anyway. And at that point, you'd rather wait and see what Murray can develop into rather than, you know, trading assets for a guy that improves you certainly, but marginally in a West where if you're not Golden State and you're not Houston or San Antonio, thanks for playing come again at this point if it's oh if it has the potential to just be a wash in three years for making a deal that includes Jamal Murray I'm not doing it right so like Damien right. let's say you get Damian Lillard and this is not going to happen because Damian Lillard literally just tweeted out that he's not leaving Portland so he's not leaving but at the same time like I wouldn't trade Jamal Murray for Damian Lillard I mean there would be a lot more that goes into that deal but you're only going to get a few more years of Damian Lillard and you hope that you can get a similar production out of Jamal Murray under team control for a significantly longer amount of time. So I think most Nuggets fans feel and media members feel like they wouldn't trade Murray but let's go back to the situation that the Kemba Walker uh, hypothetical trade put us in bumping Murray back down to the bench. I don't even want to do that at this point. I would rather let this team struggle, go through the ups and downs, if it means the continued keys to the car and development for this kid. It's hard because the Nuggets are in a win-now situation, and there are guys' jobs and careers that are relying on them making the playoffs. Right. So while I do, well, if this was a still a straight rebuild project, I would agree with you that I would not send him back to the bench. But... Being that the Nuggets need to make the playoffs this year, and I, when I say need, they need to make the playoffs this year. You, if you can find a way to get a better point guard, let's George Hill, whatever, right? And it does work better with him as a starting guard alongside Nikola Jokic, then yes, I would move him back to the bench because of the optics of the situation that they are in. I think he would play well off the bench. I do too. And again, like we said, he can play the one or the two, but I just want him to know 
that this organization has confidence in him because at this point I am sold on Murray as some level of a star going forward. Yeah, and that's the thing is that like I I I was hesitant about what he was going to be as an NBA player at first. He proved me wrong, man. This was what shows that it's the mindset that players have. It's yes. their drive to win. It's their desire to be great that separates them from the pack. Will Barton said last night about him as a closer. He has the talent, which he is which is important but he has the confidence, yep. which is way more important, and the competitiveness, which is imperative. So, I agree. Yeah, he has all of those things. And yeah, I, I, that's one where I'll raise my hand as well and say I was wrong. I was not as high on Murray as other folks just at the, really the start of the season even. But yes, it, at this point, the way he's shooting his free throws, the way he's shooting from deep, the way he's score, creating points for himself, this guy looks like it looks like they hit on that draft pick in, the, in a big way. Yeah, so that was about 25 minutes of us just gushing about Jamal Murray, so it's probably time to move into another topic okay. of conversation. So at Shoot Around, you were not Shoot Around with me, but there was a very weird situation. So we interview Damian Lillard, we interview Yusef Nurkic, and we go over to Terry Stotts and start talking to the coach of the, of the Trailblazers, right? Middle of the conversation with Stotts, a, a tweet from Mark Stein of the New York Times comes down. All of a sudden, the Blazers are interested in trading for DeAndre Jordan. This is literally minutes after Damian Lillard, Yusef Nurkic, and Terry Stotts all said that they want to rely on Nurkic in a bigger role with this team. Literally minutes after. It's too bad because I really wish a Nuggets reporter would have had the gall to just well, ask we him didn't, about no, it. it wasn't right, until no, it wasn't afterwards. We exactly. all wanted to. We were all like kicking right. ourselves angry that it came out like two minutes later because that would have been just incredible to hear about but it's interesting because this the, everybody talked about how the nuggets got scathed in this Nurkic trade and I'm not saying they won it I'm not even going to go that far people are realizing that Yusef Nurkic is a baby he's frustrating and he can be very very detrimental to a team it's been a wake-up call for Portland fans the way he plays against Denver he's actually not going to bring that effort and that energy every night and that is maddening right yep and this is the Yusef Nurkic experience all the talent in the world the guy who has the competitive desire he's a competitor through and through he can bring it every night seems like he just literally chooses not to yeah sounds like the Nur the Nurkic experience to me but the reason I bring this up is that it almost feels like the Nuggets are breaking the trailblazers all of a sudden because directly after the game there's a report from Chris Haynes of ESPN that comes out saying that Damian Lillard met with ownership of the trailblazers to express a worry that they may not be on the same championship dire direction that he wants them to be on and he specifically pointed out the trade where they got Aaron Aflalo for Will Barton and a first and that he did not want that trade to happen and that he was against it and now it's killing them can't imagine why he wouldn't have wanted that trade to go through uh, well they're very good friends <laughs> very 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 good friends and also what a horrific trade um but yes yeah. it does feel like nuggets fans and trailblazers fans traded places dude over the very course of quickly i mean we know after that sun's loss the nuggets twitter was a bloodbath at some point it be we were getting blamed as media members for not <laughs> asking the tough questions for, for like not right. saying that nurkic was the worst person right. ever and all it kinds was, of crazy it stuff was our fault so like things were really bad and yeah there was a, a, a probably a brief moment of panic among portland fans last night although as you mentioned earlier um lillard tweeted out today he's not going anywhere so and it said in the piece that he was not requesting a trade they were like the front office and ownership was worried that he may right. there was nothing that damian lillard said or did to make them think that he would so this is not us saying that there's a potential for damian lillard to leave because again he just tweeted out by 20 minutes ago that he is not going to leave right but going and, back oh sorry go ahead no i just like this passage from this piece it's not unprecedented for allen to meet with marquee players of his franchise he's also the owner of the seattle seahawks 
frequently as sits downs with key players, a source said. So yes, to your point, I think we we see these headlines, we hear a story like this, and we think meeting equals worst case scenario. Sometimes meetings are just meetings, the same way you would have one with your boss. You just need to clear the air. You just need to make sure you're on the same page. I think that's all this was. Yeah, and I think this is a good time to really have a Will Barton appreciation moment because yes, he did not make a bucket all night. Mm. Yes, he struggled in a lot of different ways, but he hit the clutch free throws and was a team high, I believe, plus 11 in this game. So he still was very impactful. And I actually asked Damian Lillard because Damian Lillard and Will Barton are very close friends still. They talk nearly daily. Like they are very, very close. So I asked him about his growth as a player and what he said, and this is the full quote. He said, man, where do I start? Will has always been a hooper. You know what I mean? I tell people all the time that our first couple years in the league, him and CJ in practice, everybody knew that eventually they were going to be good players in the league. The thing with Will is that he's going from just being a hooper and a baller to someone who is playmaking, scoring and defending truly, truly impacting the team. You can roll the ball out there and you can put Will on the floor with anybody in a pickup game. It takes time to take that kind of player, put him into the NBA game and actually have him impact the game. That is the thing I'm most proud about with Will. You can see him thinking the game. He's breaking down the other team and not just going out there and playing and relying on his straight ability. It has been a joy for me to watch just being friends with him. We talk all the time. It's good to see that growth from him. That is an incredible quote. I I was so happy when I read that. I was like, that was fantastic through and through. So for me, it's one of those things where I, I go back and I think about the way that we perceive Will Barton and who he is as a player. And yes, he's not the same volume scorer. Yes, he is still struggling in a lot of ways. So for me, when I look at it now, I try and see it through the eyes of what Damian Lillard is trying to say. Because what he's saying is that he's not just going out there and getting buckets. He can do that. That is that is very well known at this point. It's what he's doing on the fringes. It's how he's helping this team in different ways. Will Barton is being asked to play small forward, shooting guard, and point guard simultaneously on this team. That's a very, very difficult place to be in for them. So when Will Barton goes out there against this Portland Trailblazers team, has seven points, eight rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block that should have counted, by the way god i was frustrated with that one and he's a team high plus 11 there's a reason he was a plus 11 he played really good defense he played great defense i agree with that which he can do i know he gets knocked sometimes it depends on the kind of player he's playing against again and but you know again he can be a gamer on defense despite whatever limitations he has this dude plays really 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 hard yeah and it's apparent to me that he does that not just for himself not just because he loves to get his for his teammates. He just loves playing hard. He, he wants to win. He wants to play the right way. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he can be a better defender, can be, than people think. And also, as far as the playmaking and the other stuff that he does, I think people, when they think of his passing, they only think of those moments in the fourth quarter where he misses an open Jokic for the drive or whatever to try to hit the game-winning shot. But throughout the course of the game, he actually is a much better ball handler and playmaker than people think. And they they refuse to look at it that way, because I agree with you. I think what he has done as a de facto point guard has actually been a positive for this team, because Emmanuel Moutier is significantly worse. Like, what do you want from this team at that point? they don't have a backup point guard, and a guy who is a two and a three is doing it for them, yep. and that's huge. And he's defending at the point of attack. He's working real hard, and I think that's why you see him have bad stat lines but be a team high positive in terms of plus minus. And I also want to take this time to to say something about Barton. I think sometimes his play style can come off as like, it's all about me. He's very reckless. Right, reckless. It can even come off as selfish. Some people have described it. I wouldn't. If you're in this locker room at all, 
just for like five seconds. I know what you're going off. It becomes, of. <laughs> it becomes immediately clear to you that Will Barton is one of the best teammates. On I this need team. people to understand this. It drives me batshit crazy. Will Barton is not a selfish individual. His mantra that he lives by and plays through and has bought thousands of dollars on chains for is protect the family. This dude is loyal to a fault. This guy goes out of his way at every single moment to try and improve the team in any way he can and be that selfless individual. When he takes control of games, it's because the Nuggets are out of whack and someone needs to. There are situations when you play 82 damn games and there's all this chaos on a basketball court that there's going to be bad moments. That's that's basketball. Will Barton is not selfish. Will Barton is not somebody who only thinks about himself. Will Barton is a baller who does everything he can for his team and works his ass off to do so and builds up everybody simultaneously. And when he takes those shots, it's not because he is in he doesn't care about his teammates he's indifferent to where they are on the court he would rather score than win or whatever it's because he's confident that's all it is he's he believes he can win the game for his team he wants to win the game for his team when it was someone else's turn last night in jamal murray he was beaming with pride in the locker room he was so proud of jamal and that's the thing that people miss out like will barton and gary harris have become unbelievably close as players and that was a big part of why you saw a big boost out of gary harris this year he instills confidence the way that coaches instill confidence in players you want to talk about a guy who can be that that motivator on the court a guy who can get guys riled up and rah rah Will Barton does a lot of that for a team that is devoid of it. Right. Like People need to understand that, yes, he has had a very bad shooting year. No one's arguing that. He has not shot the ball well. He rolled his ankle multiple times in multiple different games, so both of his ankles are hurting. He had a lower back issue he was dealing with. He's playing 40 damn minutes seemingly every single night. He's going from starting to the bench to point guard to shooting guard to small forward. Like... This dude is being borderline taken advantage of because it is required for this team to win, and it's going to take a toll. Plus, it's the middle of the damn season. The season started two weeks earlier this year, and everybody's feeling pain right now. Like This is going to happen to players. It is absolutely infuriating that everybody is so frustrated with Will Barton, of all people. There are things wrong with this team. There are things that are fundamentally going to hurt this team. Will Barton does have things that does hurt this team, but he does more positive than negative by far, in my opinion, for this team right he just shouldn't be the scapegoat it's not fair and that's the good way to put it shouldn't be the scapegoat as this team exists in its current iteration with with the roster construction the injuries they need him in more ways than one like you said to an almost unfair extent so in the long run i understand like if you have to make a move that means moving on from will barton to improve substantially sure you might have to do it right but as this team exists right now if they were to trade Will Barton, I think Nuggets fans would quickly realize how much they miss him. Exactly. And this is the thing. Michael Malone has blatantly said it, and we have reported on this. The Nuggets don't have guys to break down and collapse a defense. Right. It, it, that's such a hard thing to have. And if you, So when you play offensive basketball at the NBA level, you need to create a mismatch or something to exploit. So when you have a guy who can break down a defense and get into the lane, he attracts help. When the help comes to onto Will Barton, that makes someone else open. Right. So when you pass that ball they have to scramble which means someone else is coming off another guy when you have those linear things that happen that is what allows offenses to function and in the beginning of the season while Harris and Murray were still sort of trying to figure this part of the game out they really lacked penetration on the drive absolutely they did and that was Gallo right that was his role on this team last year the leading scorer also the leading free throw shooter in terms of attempts and makes by a country mile by the way Will Barton had the most free throws on the Nuggets in 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 a game where they had their season high and free throw make so again important continue because though. sometimes you just need a guy who can put his head down get into the lane and whether it's draw help and dish or draw a foul 
you need that because, like we said with Murray earlier, the offense is not always going to be a well-oiled machine. So, yes, we could probably move on from Will Barton. I think it's clear where we both stand. I will ride and die for Will Barton because people do not realize how important he is to this team, and I think it's absolutely infuriating. So, pardon my incomplete rants, but yes, that was needed to be said in my opinion. One more part of last night's game I really want to talk about. What did you think of the latest edition of the <laughs> Serbian-Bosnian <laughs> conflict here? The Balkan buddy ball yeah. battle or whatever the hell you yeah, want to call yeah. it. So, for me, I thought Nikola Jokic came away victorious in this, but only because he helped his team when I thought Yusef Nurkic did not. Ooh, can you elaborate on that? So, Yusef Nurkic, when he was in Denver, did this thing where whenever he would set a screen, instead of setting it, he would slip it early to get a better post-up opportunity for himself. That happened a lot last night, and it was so frustrating. I was like, man, I feel for you, Dame. I am so damn sorry for what you are dealing with right now. Especially with the way that that Murray and Harris were hounding them all night. What they really needed was a solid screen set with conviction. That's all they needed, and like that's why I think you see 3 of 14 from CJ McCollum and 0 of 3 from 3, is because Nurkic was not setting hard screens for him, and he was slipping it and trying to get into the post. So Nurkic was 7 of 13 from the field, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. He had 19 points, 12 rebounds, and a si- uh, one assist, two steals, and three blocks. It's a good game. I'm not arguing that. Nikola Jokic, who was very out of sorts in the first half, he did not look like himself in the first half, came back out in that second half and really was able to continue keeping the offense moving when Jamal Murray was not. And I think that was what was more important for me. And the five assists is very, very telling that he was able to keep this offense functioning. Right. I mean, what did he shoot from the field, though? No, he was 5 of 17. 5 of 17. A lot of that was in the first half, but yes, he was not shooting very well tonight. No, and and it was shot shot selection, although, as we've had to say many times, too many times this season, how much of that is his fault? Again, he had to play the four last night, and we know how that changes the offense. We know often he's relegated to just, you know, uh, hanging out beyond the perimeter, and that's not when he's at his best. He, I like it more when he's assertive, when he wants to score down low. Although, to his credit, he seemed to be aware tonight of where the hot hand was, and he was willing to sort of let Murray do his and thing. And on top of that, it was really interesting talking to Jamal Murray after the game because there was a question posed to him where it was like, did you see a difference in Nikola Jokic's attitude and body language on the floor? And he was like, yeah, like very clearly. And that was telling to me because Nikola Jokic gets frustrated, and he does get out of sorts, and he gets very... He pouts flat out. He pouts. He pouts. Look, the mental game is where Jokic is lacking. It's it's where there's room for growth. Um, He he really plays like a kid. Honestly, he he almost he's a mega kid. Yeah, I mean, almost younger than his age, which is not what is he twenty two, twenty three, twenty two. Yeah, I mean, he comes off as like a teenager sometimes. And what Murray really did, there was no tension or conflict in terms of his tone, but the it was really easily inferred from Murray's comments that. Um, this team really needs him to sort of be engaged, engaged to have a little more poise mentally. Um, maybe a better way of putting it is just we saw the results last night. We saw how much better everything goes for this team when he does. Yeah, because like we, we like against the Suns, he had like 14, 16, and six, and it was a good looking stat line. But the way he played and his attitude hurt the Nuggets. Like I thought that he was a big negative against the Suns. Almost a very, almost an identical stat line against the Portland Trailblazers. And I thought he was extremely helpful, even despite his bad shooting night, because he was engaged, he was focused, he was helping, he was getting steals, he was making outlet passes, he was keeping the pace up. Like the small fringe things, again, he was able to do while also putting up a great stat line of 16 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, a steal, and a block. Where I thought Nurkic was good, was particularly good, was the second half on the glass. And the Nuggets had an advantage in this game in terms of rebounds. And again, I think that's probably why we saw Malone. I mean, who knows really why we saw Malone go back to Plumlee Jokic? Hmm. 
they, I, they, I don't want to even dive into right, that. We don't have to we don't have to talk about that right now. But <laughs> I think some of that might be about trying to make sure they win the rebounding battle. And they did. But in the second half, Nurkic was a beast on the boards. And in a game where that uh Portland backcourt didn't really have it going, um, it was nice it's like he was fighting hard to get his team second chances. He was being aggressive and assertive down there. And I guess it's just that. It's like in these games, these Denver Portland games. Nurkic just turns on that mental switch, and Jokic just doesn't, with with that one exception, and that's a little frustrating to see. I agree with that. Um, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about their battle. I thought this game was significantly more about Damian Lillard versus uh, Jamal Murray yeah, than it yeah. was about the two of them, I but agree. I think what also is notable is how important this win was, because they had lost four of six heading into this game. They were out of the playoffs at this juncture and they come in, they get a very gutsy home win against a division opponent where they really needed a division win because now they are five and six in their division, believe it or not. They have almost got climbed back up into even in their division, which is actually better than Portland is in their division. So I think that was a really important win. And now Denver by a half game is back in the playoffs as the eighth seed and just trailing the the trailblazers there who are the by one game and the Nuggets now have are up two games to one two right? games to series, one and it's not till like i believe april, april they play again which is obviously going to be a huge huge game might be the biggest game of the season yeah. but yeah that tiebreaker might be important so yeah winning the game in the fashion they did winning the game when they needed to win like this was huge but beating that opponent um was was massive yeah and now they're only a game and a half away from the sixth seed so like things are back to somewhat like optics wise comfortability again like right. this is not a team that's like oh god is someone gonna get fired like are they gonna tr- have a panic trade like it, i think you can remove that from the optics now right and throw well, it out the damn window for now it's so funny we, we talked about this in the part media a lot last night with adam mares i cannot i'm the Mares. whitest dude you know so that's Mares. That, that's not happening <laughs> but um adam Mares. and he he, we joked that like, okay, the optics change so drastically after each game. Um, obviously, this is a consequentialist thing, but you know, when you win a game like that in that fashion, everyone feels great. And now it's Portland, where the you know who has the pressure. Oh, all pressure. Of the pressure. Except what happens if the Nuggets come out and blow it against the Knicks? We're we're probably right back where we started, right? So right now, Chris Depps is not going to play today due to knee irritation, whatever the hell that is. I don't know if it's a rash or what, but that's a very oblong, obtuse way to basically have an injury. I don't know what the hell that Tall is. Tall dude, knee hurt. Yeah, There you go. <laughs> Uh, so there, this makes me nervous because when they play the Knicks, if there's no Chris Depps, is this young Nuggets team doing anything that they can just walk through another team? Well, this has been the issue all year long is having focus, having consistency in their approaches to games, whether they're playing Golden State on the road or they're playing a team like the Suns or the Hawks at home. They have to approach these games the same way. Finish strong, play four strong quarters. It would be the most 2017-2018 Nuggets thing ever to, to lose this game to a Porzingis Lisnix. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting, too, that while they have struggled more recently from like at ter- in terms of just playing at home and getting wins, they're still 17 at 6 at home. Right. That puts them, I believe, third in terms of winning percentage in the Western Conference in terms of, uh, in terms of just winning at home. 7 and 17 on the road still, but this is a team that should be able to take care of business, and I think that this win... It shows them that they're going to need to gut out a lot of wins, and it's not going to be easy. Right. And I hopefully that can transfer into this team because right now they're in a very good position to be able to walk up and really get close to the New Orleans Pelicans at that sixth seed right now. Well, look, if you believe in momentum, which you should, in my opinion, uh, you got to like the Nuggets in this game. You, you have, have to. to. Yeah. 
I just don't know if it's going to work out that way, man. It's, it's a scary proposition. <laughs> I'm not there with them yet. I wouldn't hold my breath. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But it's crazy. Look at these standings, man, because like Oklahoma City is so they're right now 26 and 20 with the Nuggets are 24 and 23. That means they're only two and a half games away from the five seat. Wow. That's how close they are. Shout out to the Northwest Division. Too. I know. My Minnesota goodness. is now the third seed ahead of San Antonio. How crazy is and that? And Quinn Snyder's Jazz, who really have no business being anywhere near that eight spot with all the injuries they've had. I mean, they're competing. They're playing hard. And yeah. in, in, a, in maybe the best division in basketball. So... Yeah, that's incredible. At some point, does Minnesota come back to earth? Because they're thirty-one and eighteen right I now. I think so. I think if dude, you... I don't know. They're nine and one in the Northwest Division. They're twenty-four and seven against the Western Conference. Man, doesn't that feel like the Jimmy Butler effect? I mean, that's a bit reductionist. It doesn't always boil down to one thing, but I mean, that dude, like that team, wasn't playing well statistically. They were rating okay on offense, but it wasn't looking pretty, right? It wasn't the result of a lot of great ball movement. Um, defensively they were struggling but Butler has really sort of started playing like one of those dudes. No, he's an MVP candidate. Exactly, that's what I mean by those dudes. There's stars and then there's guys who just change everything, who take over games and this 9-1 and one stretch I mean it really feels like he's been the catalyst for that. I mean they're 13 games above 500 right now. No, they're good. This is insane. They are very, very good. I do expect them to come back to Earth. I do too. But that doesn't mean, but Earth is, is still probably a 6 or 5 seed for them. At this right? point, well that's the thing is that right. there's so many Northwest division teams that are involved in this playoff race. So Minnesota is three. You have Oklahoma City at five. You have Portland at seven and you have Denver at eight. My goodness. So Minnesota is nine and one in their division. They, they're going to own the tiebreaker over everybody like that because of this stretch. They are going to basically be able to get all of the tiebreakers won over early. Oh, yeah. And if not, they'll tie them like they're so far ahead of the pack right now. And I think that's it's going to be so interesting to me. By the way, a little news that just came down. Sacramento and Cleveland are deep are in deep trade talks for George Hill. Wow. Really? What do you think that like because the Cavs don't really seem to have any in between pieces when it comes to trade assets? It's like the Brooklyn pick, Kevin Love, or like CD Osman. <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. You can't trade. You can't trade Chetty because you need Chetty Osman just for your versatility on the right, wing. Right, right, right. It has to be like Jr. Shumping a first. Right. Like I don't know what but the like hell a they're going to do. First? Yeah, like, I don't know. I know because like that's it. And and when people say like okay they should trade for Jordan but they shouldn't trade the Brooklyn pick well then who what's the deal. So I'm fascinated to see how that goes down because the Cavs really it's it's either like they need to make an all in trade or they don't really have much room to move. Yeah, a couple more things I want to get to before we get out of here because we've actually kind of gone a lot longer than I thought we would, which is kind of actually awesome. But so the team defense down the stretch of this game was notable to me because Michael Malone elected to trap Damian Lillard on the last play of the game and it paid off perfectly. There was a quote Damian Lillard gave Matt Moore of the Action Network where he basically said, like, I was ready to fire over top of both of them, but he couldn't tell where Mason Plumlee was coming from. So he didn't know if the shot was going to get blocked because he wasn't in his peripheral vision. So that double is literally what forced him to give the ball to Nurkic to get that dunk when they were down three and basically ended the game right and you want a quick two a th- the right look from three portland got the worst case yeah, scenario you got eight seconds off, eight the, clock, seconds off you the clock a, you get a dunk and look man for a nuggets team that gets killed for the way they handles you know late game situations 
they handled this perfect. That's what I wanted to point out yeah. is that they absolutely played the personnel on the floor to a absolute perfect tee. And that needs to be noted because that was a Michael Malone thing. And that was the Nuggets going through and using that to become better and better as what they're doing. So I think that was an extremely important thing to point out. The other thing is that the Plumlee Jokic lineup wins again. And I don't know what the hell is going to happen with this, but it continues to stick around and <laughs> it's driving me. F- mm, okay. <laughs> for better or for worse, right? <laughs> for better or for worse. There's good and bad and everything, I guess. So, yeah. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Uh, Twitter questions. Twitter questions. There's a couple I want to get to. Uh, we already got to Alec Gwynn. Shouts Alec Gwynn. You're awesome. Yeah, so he's sh- the man. He's yeah. so good. Go to his Reddit stuff. It's amazing. But Sean English, at Sean English 5280, longtime supporter of the show. He said, I know it's just one game, but is Jamal Murray answering the questions at point guard? If they bring in a point guard, it has to be a backup to take Moutier's minutes and to move Barton into a more ideal position. This goes back to that discussion we were having about the Akemba-esque trade, right? I kind of agree with Sean here. I think Murray looks like he's the answer long term. And I think what's more important right now is just showing him you have that confidence in him. I don't think you want to take away his minutes for virtually anyone right now. I agree. And I'm at the point now where last night was really the solidifying moment where I was like, this dude has the potential to be a superstar because I haven't been there. Like, I want to own this because I was wrong. Like, I saw him as a supersized, like, doubled up version of Randy Foy, where you're a tweener guard. You can't defend twos, but you're also not quick enough and good enough with the ball to be a one great shooting stroke surprisingly in athleticism but you weren't going to be as impactful jamal murray has decided that my thought process of him was just completely damn wrong and yeah. blew it out the water yeah. so i own that like it, it's amazing the difference that, that you get in terms of how you perceive a player when you actually get to know them and see how they work and see their d- ridiculous drive that they right. have to win and that's what separates them from for me and i think that's like most reflected in his effort as a rebounder yeah. This is a dude who comes in and gets man's rebounds through the trees that he has no business really being anywhere near the play even. Yeah. And these aren't Westbrook rebounds from the point guard position. No, this like, is not like trying to gobble up rebounds for triple doubles. This no. is like man rebounds in the trees. Going in there, fighting to get second chance opportunities to to get crucial defensive rebounds. We've seen it multiple, you know, multiple times. We've seen that make a big difference in the game. And uh, yeah, I think Murray is the answer long term. Uh, my, this next one was great. His name is Hyper on Twitter, but his at handle is amazing. Hyper underscore ADHD. Man, I affiliate with you. Yeah, I was going to say. you. But TJ's aesthetic. He said, can you talk about Tory Craig's contract almost being up and what the front office should do? So this is an interesting thing because I have talked to multiple league executives, not just with the Nuggets, but I've talked to Oklahoma City executives. I've talked to Pacer executives. I've talked to Pelicans executives and a bunch of different teams that have two-way contract kind of players about the, the nuances of how these contracts work so it's a 45 day at the nba level contract there is no defined answer of what a day consists of so because of that i have no damn idea we really don't know honestly i I don't know this for sure but i can speculate that i don't know if the nuggets know exactly how many days because there is not an actual tangible definition of what a day spent at the nba level consists of right like right these little things like having him literally travel with the team or not. Like I have no idea how it affects the picture. We can tell you there is some sort of a deadline here insofar as they need to clear up a roster spot to sign him. And that has likely has to be done through a trade given their financial situation. Yeah, They're not going to cut free because Dan Kroenke will never eat that money. Right. So, so don't get in my ads about that. It's not going to happen. So less important than Craig's days is the NBA trade deadline. Yep. 
And also, I've, I have talked to a couple executives around the Nuggets, and they do expect that they can keep him around very close to the trade deadline. So that's about the time frame you can look at about when his two-way contract ends up reaching its pinnacle and you can no longer play at the NBA is right around that February 8th trade, trade deadline time. I don't know the exact date. I don't know if the Nuggets do. I don't know if the league knows. We right. just don't know because this is brand new. This is not the Nuggets trying to get over on people. All across the league, people are trying to figure this out. So okay, TJ, we'll see what happens. Next question, and this is from here. Can you God. give me the at? Yeah. Uh, Adam J8896. He wants to know if you, TJ McBride, were in charge of the Denver Nuggets, if you had Tim Connolly's job, what moves are you making? This is so tough because right now we don't know where this team is at. We don't know what they're going to get when Paul Millsap comes back. We do need, we do know they need small forward depth and we do know they need a backup point guard. If it was me, I would be calling the Knicks and asking about Jared Jack. Ooh. What is it going to take for me to get a veteran, strong, big, bulky point guard like that who knows how to handle the ball and can help keep this offense moving off the bench? Strangely, here's a sentence I didn't think I'd say in 2018. The Knicks kind of need Jared Jack. Uh, they, they do. He helps Chris Stapps a ton. Right. There was a time where you might have conceived of that just being like a second round swap for a guy like Jack probably going to take a little more right yeah something that was interesting that was posted to me by another writer yesterday and this is all under the assumption that that this player got clean in china and was healthy and clean <laughs> what about ty lawson i mean come on man like you play it with pace you have a guy who can play off ball and hit threes he knows how to play at altitude like he's a good playmaker and understands he the nuances. knows how to play at altitude like, but it, i'm serious man like this, this is something that's kind of interesting i don't expect this to happen and if it happened i would be blown away but, but it's, it's a, a funny thought experiment yeah, let's flesh it out but um, like seriously ty lawson could be a dude who could help this team if he's clean and he's dedicated i mean if we were gonna do the what if we max you know maximize ty lawson and his potential thing we'd be doing what every gm thought they could do for years and i think we've already found the definitive answer i agree with that that's too big of a what if but no jared jack is a guy joe harris is a guy um shelvin mack is a guy that you could look at a veteran strong understanding nuanced point guard should address someone here because it's probably a guy who's on a lot of fans minds and that's george hill financially that one would be a lot tougher for uh, a lot tougher yeah. by the way to update that as we're literally talking about it on this podcast according to Woj, it is going to be iman chumbert and channing fry as the primary players in ongoing conversations Wow, so for the Kings, you would, are, are those is, are those deals, either of those deals expiring? I don't know. Because I'm trying to figure out what is the Kings, just get rid of Hill. There has to be a pick. There has to be But although George Hill is probably causing hell in that locker room yeah. right now. Let's be real about this. Why did either party do that? <laughs> Somehow the Kings convinced Zach Randolph and George Hill they're going to contend this year. I don't know how. Like, whoever sold that idea needs to be selling a lot bigger things than these. Like, you need to go make some money in a sales conversation. Yeah. Like, that was insane to me. But so, yeah, George Hill. Probably not going to. Yeah, probably not. But that's pretty much all I got about this. The Nuggets play the New York Knicks coming up on Thursday. Do you want a podcast tomorrow? Yeah, let's do a podcast. Yeah, we'll do some kind of weird podcast tomorrow. I don't know what the hell it's going to be, but we'll do something tomorrow. But I believe 60 minutes on Ty Lawson. This is a complete breakdown of Ty Lawson's play in China. China. That's all it's going to be. And probably a G League update for fun. Because been, I don't know. I've been hitting the film room pretty hard, buddy. Yeah, but we, we are an hour in, and I believe that's it. Yeah, let's get out of here. So that's Bre that's Brendan Vote. You're hearing right there at BVote422, right? Yeah, that's me. And then I am TJ McBride at TJ McBride NBA. Go check out everything at Mile High Sports for all the different content we have up there. There's tons of good stuff right now. Denver Nuggets Daily. Subscribe to the show. Rate the show. Tell your friends. We're yes. Yes. We need them rates. We need 
leave them subscribed. Get it all in there for us. Also, go follow it on Twitter. It's at Nuggets underscore Daily is the Twitter handle. But I believe that's it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Good stuff, buddy. Damn. Take it so